Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello and welcome to Week 17 of Please Bet on Football Games podcast. I'm your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how are you? Ho, ho, ho. Uh, I'm doing all right. We had a decent week, and uh, because I was home, I got to do my dad's against the spread pool that he does at work, and I went 13-3, and unfortunately. Um, Almost all those losses were losses that we had on the pod as well. Yeah, I mean, not ideal. I think uh, looking at it, we went 2-2-1. Two, two and one two wins two losses and one push last week teaser one though the teaser did win so all that's of a winning week one it's a winning week yes our leans were uh all over it we just weren't great at the final picks but you want to get into uh each game let's do the bullshit report absolutely so first up a tough loss we had yeah. detroit minus two and a half they got shelled yeah it's it's absolutely a valid fine like dude the carolina panthers dominated them and it's kind of feels like bullshit because how the fuck did detroit all of a sudden become terrible at stopping the run but if you watch that game the correct team won by a lot like it was not at any point close I mean, like, we both thought that Detroit had kind of fixed their run defense over the last month because they've been pretty good. They were the best in the league over the last month. Turns out it was kind of just context-based. Yeah, and we might have missed on that. But Carolina, I mean, they had two guys that had over 100 rushing yards. In, like, the first half. Yeah, it's insane. They had, like, 250 yards in the first half rushing. It's It was like every time I looked up in that game, Dante Foreman was 15 yards past the line of scrimmage. With, with no linebackers you know, in, in the fucking screen. Yeah, and it's like a DB making the tackle. It was it was terrible. Well, you can't um, let Sam we, Darnold throw on you. Okay, you got to prevent the Sam Darnold. So stupid. Except, so, hey, they'll they're probably going to hold on to him. And we, we, we lost. If we get a full season of Steve Wilkes and Sam Darnold. I will cry loud. We make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but this legitimate loss. Yeah, you we saw bad. Yes, it's a toughie. Next up, we had a nice little win with New Orleans plus two and a half. They ended up winning by seven against the Browns. Legit or bullshit? Super legit. Both teams had a touchdown based off of a turnover, except the Saints had three dropped interceptions. I don't care what Twitter says. If a ball goes through the defensive back's hands, that's a dropped interception. If a ball hits a defensive back in the titties, that's a dropped interception. I don't care about three dropped touchdowns because three dropped touchdowns were actually one dropped touchdown by Amari Cooper, which was very poorly thrown, and one arguably dropped touchdown that was way late and absolutely would have been pushed out of bounds anyway. Deshaun Watson continues to suck. I think this was super legit, and I feel very dumb for not betting the money line. Yeah, I agree. This was super legit. I mean, I think really the only one you could make a for real argument on drop touchdowns was the one David and Joku. All the other ones are just hopeful. Which wasn't in the end zone. It was at the three-yard line with 25 seconds left. And yeah, else. and I think he would have been able to turn it up and get in, but it's Maybe. it's whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the Saints ran the ball way better than the Browns did. The Browns did not do a good job of containing Taysom Hill at all. Nope. And the Saints did a good job of making sure Deshaun couldn't beat them with his legs, making the Browns run actual football plays, and they can't run the ball right now. Yep. And Deshaun is not in a spot that he can throw them out of problems. So they're not good. Nope. Legitimate win. Legit Let's win. Move on. And it wouldn't be the uh PBFG pod if we didn't have at least a few pushes across the season. The Minnesota Vikings, they 
we had them minus three. They pushed on an incredible 61-yard Greg Joseph overtime kick. Legit or bullshit? A little bullshit. Uh, I think anybody would agree that this was probably like a 53% Vikings win. Like the Vikings dominated this game and the Vikings should have won by four if not for a garbage time touchdown drive by the Giants and then a very, shall we say, close two-point conversion to come within three. This game is played two years ago. We cover, but the two-point conversion revolution lives on. Kind of bullshit, but not terrible if we would have lost yeah. this if we would have lost this it would be bullshit but a push i can abide yeah i i think minnesota definitely dominated that game the giants just got some late late big plays that made it look a lot closer yeah i'm fine with the push obviously i think we should have won it but i think a push is pretty just I, I, well. I would make that bet again is what i'm getting like that's the real test of the bullshit report. I'd make that bet again. I would as well. All right. We had another win with Cincinnati minus three and a half. They ended up winning by four. Yep. We scraped by the skin of our, by the skin of our teeth, but a win's a win. Legit or bullshit? See, this is another one where it's super legit because it shouldn't have even been remotely close. It was 23 nothing at halftime. They should have stopped the game right there. Is it 22 nothing? Yeah, Evan McPherson could not kick an extra point to save his life. No, he really couldn't. Um, Point remains the same. The only reason this game was close is because Jacoby Myers got some good karma his way on a badly thrown batted ball that should have been incomplete and turned into a massive touchdown. That was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Now so we, are, insane. we are lucky because the Patriots were driving to win the game and fumbled at like the 10 yard line. Mm -hmm. uh, we are lucky to cover because the Patriots missed a two point conversion. But right. when you but factor in the missed some... extra points, when you factor in the massive lead that was blown, when you factor in the way in which it was blown, I think this was a legit win. I think that the bullshit balanced out pretty well. I would make this bet again and again and again. Yeah, I think that there was bullshit on both sides. Like those late fumbles by the Patriots were rough, but that it, what should have been an incomplete batted ball turned into a touchdown for like 50, 50 yards yarder. is ridiculous ridiculous on like that's some and, of the biggest bullshit we've seen on, on third and long by the way so yeah, yeah. no total bullshit and, and evan pearson who granted has had a rough year but he's been he missed two extra points mm -hmm. whatever um i'd make the bet again yep. i think it was a good one and then our final bet of the week and our final loss of the week we had philadelphia plus five they ended up losing by six wild bullshit yes so basically this game came down first of all it should have been over anyways when Dak Prescott on third and 30 threw the ball to one-on-one -on -one coverage CeeDee Lamb on uh, Darius Slay. Mm -hmm. Darius Slay thought he was playing the flat. I don't fucking know, but he did not cover the receiver. It might even, I don't even know if it was fucking CeeDee Lamb. I think it might've been Noah Brown. But the point is he did not cover the receiver. It was a perfect throw. It was, but if it's contested, maybe it doesn't get caught. Maybe it doesn't get thrown. Um, Regardless, Gardner Minshew had two interceptions, neither of which were his fault. Both went literally through Quez Watkins. Uh, Both were bad throws too late, but totally shouldn't have been picked both were great yeah. picks um yeah it, i agree they were they were good plays by the defender that yeah. quez watkins should have at the very least turned them into incomplete passes you probably should have yeah but at the very least they shouldn't have been picks um and yeah i agree Minshew was late especially the first one you know the second one where it was like a, they both caught it kind of at the same time um that's more legitimate but the first one was late like that one yeah. i was kind of like uh you got to be better than that bad um, throw but yeah. shouldn't have been picked and then two fumbles off of hooking handoffs, hand 
runoffs. And the only reason I could say, like, maybe this is a little bit legitimate is this is the negative of a backup quarterback. Yeah. And the way the new CBA is where backups really don't get any snaps throughout the season um, and get very few really even in the in the preseason because they're just so limited in how many they, the entire team can get. So maybe that's an issue that we need to talk about and will be a little prescient or a little bit important in some of the games for this upcoming week. So maybe that's the negative of a backup who, even though we think is close in talent, you still have to account for the chemistry. I'll fucking say it. I'll fucking say it. Gardner Minshew was better than Jalen Hurts. It's just, yeah, like people like to talk about Deshaun Watson and the rust factor. Both of those fumbles were simply because Gardner Minshew doesn't have chemistry with his players and there's a little bit of a clunkiness to it. Honestly, you could argue both of the picks are a matter of him not having the timing down from not playing in two years. But I do think it's important to note, nobody's uh, nobody's excusing Gardner Minshew for only throwing for like 380 yards in his first start in two years. It's so weird. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a good game. Like yeah, it good. wasn't perfect, but he was... He, He's exactly what you kind of expect from Gardner Minshew, which is he's going to sling the ball. He's going to make plays happen and he's going to go for it. Taylor Heineke with better zip and worse athleticism. Yeah, I think it's a really good comparison. He's a little bit cooler too, though. Taylor well, uh, Heineke's a pretty cool dude. He gets he gets he is, Jordan's, but, not but Minshew's on a special level. Um, so I think we end up with a little bit of bullshit because they lost the turnover battle four to one in crucial times. And also that fourth down play that ended the game. If AJ Brown was looking, I think he could have caught that ball. Yeah, I know it really was. And like I understand he was trying to just get to the spot because he was you know initially I, five yards out of the end zone. And he I I totally understand why he would have given up on that play. But if he didn't, he might have won the game. Yeah, I think he just was trying to get to, you know, the end zone. And he, I don't know, because he didn't look for the ball. No. But he was like right in the area. So I don't want to say he gave up on the play because he turned up and went for it. But it was strange. And maybe, maybe and lost hope is the better way. Yeah, I I think that's that's nice. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's that Darius Slade touchdown. And we might need to talk about him moving forward, too, because I've seen some stuff that over the last like month and a half, anytime, he's been like bad. Anytime he's asked to do anything, but he's Marcus Peters at this point. He's good at playing zone. He's got great instincts and good ball skills, but you don't want him in man. You don't want him running. Yeah, because his his grades and again, like grades need to be taken with a big old grain of salt. But a lot of different metrics have him as being like on the lower tier of all cornerbacks in the league right now. Um, yeah, I take that with salt. But yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we've been saying it. The Eagles are a little bit of a falling star. And honestly, I think if Jalen Hurts starts that game, they lose by 20. The falling star thing is going to be... <laughs> um, I, granted, I think with Lane Johnson out until the second week of the playoffs. I do really like Driscoll, though. They're backup. I really like him. Yeah, and that line is so good. But They're God, so Lane deep. Johnson's incredible. I think their backup he, they, offensive line is better than like the Falcons offensive line. They might be, but Lane Johnson is probably the best right tackle in football. Definitely their best player. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had seen something. I'm sure that he's this number has changed, but like halfway through the season, maybe even more than that, he hadn't given up like a pressure. Yeah. No, that makes, I think last year he didn't give up a sack. Not. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so he's truly insane, mm -hmm. but that, that will come into to impact that team. I don't know. I think it's a little bit of bullshit because four to one on turnover 
turnovers and fluke fluke turnovers it's it's not just yeah. that they were two picks it's not just that they were two fumbles it was we fucked up a handoff it was i threw it at the hands of the receiver and it went through them into the fucking defensive back like come on yeah um so i think that one's light bullshit you want to talk about some games let's get some games heck yeah week 17 first up on thursday night we have the dallas cowboys going to play the tennessee titans the titans are plus 11 we're gonna say like 30 seconds of conversation about this game drop dead leg cowboys yeah they're playing for yep. seeding they're playing for the one seed still um in their division you know they're they're playing to win the division uh the titans have literally nothing to play for whether or not they win this game they make the playoffs if they win week 18 against the jaguars they in a couple years ago they had a similar situation where whatever happened in the second to last week didn't matter as long as they won in the final week um they benched derrick henry to give him rest in this game they don't have ryan Tannehill. they know they're not gonna have ryan Tannehill. they're gonna need to run the ball i would expect that derrick henry actually gets a blow here uh and malik willis is one of the worst i don't even want to call him a quarterback but he's one of the worst quarterbacks i've ever seen in my life to the point where i can't even grade him or consider him in my all-time rankings because he does not belong on a football field in a d1 college who's uh who's been better so far in their limited action him or desmond ritter a bullet to the back of my skull <laughs> no ritter by a mile and Ritter is terrible. Like yeah, it's not Ritter's even. at least had some nice throws. Ritter is a quarterback who's very bad at quarterback. Malik Willis is a bad wide receiver playing quarterback. It looks identical to when Kendall Hilton or Hinton played quarterback for the Broncos a few years ago. It is identical. Like he is confused by the fact that he's supposed to get a snap and drop back. He can't get to the reads. He can't get to the pressures because simply holding the ball in two hands with people slowly rushing him freaks him out. He is not a quarterback. I would not trust him to play for Alabama right now. I would not not trust him to play for fucking northern illinois right now i don't he wasn't good at liberty he was not good in a d2 school with hugh freeze an elite play caller surrounded yep. by the last chance you of college football because they had dudes from everywhere who had just like done a couple crimes and needed to go to a heavily religious conservative school because that makes a lot of sense and it's totally not selling out <sighs> We talk too much about this game. Cowboys are a leg. They should be in every fucking game you bet as a parlay leg. Because I said that, somehow they will lose. But I have literally already used them in parlays for two of my bets this week. <laughs> Q four picks by Dak and Malik Willis running for 200 yards. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to Sunday. Woo! First up. We have the Arizona Cardinals going to play the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are minus three and a half. I'm not touching this game because uh, part of the reason why I don't want to rank Malik Willis in my all-time quarterback rankings is that Strevler. Oh, it's not Strevler. Strevler now plays for the Jets. Strevler and Trace are in that genre. They're the same type of guy. Ooh, a uh, really, really good clip would be if I cared enough to go find Alex Trebek saying, genre. 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 Quebec. Uh, yeah, no, uh, this game is going to suck ass. Desmond Ritter sucks ass both of these teams have completely given up i think at some point the falcons are going to start to realize that their coach butt fucked their season because marcus Mariota, starting the last two weeks has them securely in first place in this division which is fucking bananas uh but yeah pass not gonna fucking touch this game yeah this game is gross uh i i have nothing to add that you haven't said let's move I on I just want to reiterate that Desmond Ritter sucks ass and Marcus Mariota, justice for Marcus Mariota. Say his name. Yeah, I, I will say Desmond Ritter had like a couple nice throws. Much better. Game. Much better. Yeah, and I'm much he's... taller than most ants. <laughs> Not all. Yep. I'm fair, fair. 
let's move on. Next up, we have the Carolina Panthers going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are minus three. Are you, I, I mean, this is for the division. It could be. It is It is for everything. Uh, it was just announced today that Byron Leftwich is fired at the end of the year. Really? I it didn't was see all, that. It, well, it's one of those is expected to be. But like, come on, he's, he's fired. Uh, they're yeah. going to stick with Bulls. I mean, he's Todd Bowles has done a lot of shit to really can make you confident that he's going to be a great head coach one day. Uh, all those losing seasons, uh, the general mouth breathing on the sideline, looking like a skinny Lovey Smith, coaching like a skinny Lovey Smith. It's all what you want. Uh, Dude, he's been terrible. He set black people back 50 years, his coaching performance. <laughs> I, I don't know about all that, but. <laughs> nope, nope. He's the KKK of coaching. Dude, it's floor to do that bad as an affirmative action hire in Florida, you couldn't draw it up worse anyway uh as bad as he is they are also getting ryan jensen back soon i don't know if it's this week or next week but that helps a lot considering they're down to their fourth string or their fourth best left tackle because wells is hurt donovan smith is hurt worse is hurt but still playing and now they're on a guy named walton not the owner of walmart but brandon uh he's terrible he is less powerful than most tight ends I've ever seen uh, with all the athleticism of a dead cow. It's going to be rough. Brady looked rough last week. It's tough to say if it's, well, all year it was very clearly the Buccaneers are fucking up and Tom Brady looks fine. The last two weeks, ever since he allegedly ostensibly broke his wrist on his throwing hand, he's not looked the same. He is late on balls, but he also doesn't have the same drive and zip he used to. There's something wrong with Tom Brady. It could just be that he doesn't give a fuck. It could just be that he's old and worn down. It could be that he was tired because he's not good in late games. Whatever the fuck it is, it ain't Tom Brady. It ain't the guy we're used to. But this game is very simple for me. The Panthers secondary sucks ass. They lost CJ Horn. Yep. JC Horn. JC. Because it's Joe Horn Jr. Um, which I never knew. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that until this moment. So they lost him and they are down to uh, CJ Henderson. See, the, the problem is the initials are all just fucking going rampant. And Keith Taylor. I like both of these players. They are young and shall we say need seasoning like they're project players both of them i like both of them but cj henderson's very agile he needs to learn how to play football keith taylor is really long and has really good instincts but he needs to figure out a way to limit the fact that he is slow um jeremy chin should not be playing safety i've been saying it for years he's a terrible safety i said it before the draft he is not a safety he is a linebacker he is athletic kyle hamilton yep you gotta play him the same way the browns use jok and unfortunately the one drawback to switching from uh matt rule to Steve Wilkes is that Wilkes plays Chin as a slot corner and a safety instead of as a linebacker, which Rule did. Uh, all this to say, people are going to be open. People are going to be wide the fuck open. And despite how terrible the Bucks' offensive line is, as currently constituted, Panthers don't really rush the passer either. So the Buccaneers are going to be able to throw the ball. It's going to be really tough to run, but the Buccaneers can't run on anybody. So it literally doesn't matter. It's amazing. It's it's like your weakness is such a weakness that people who are good against it don't even affect you because you can't, you can't get worse than like two yards of carry on first down it doesn't mm-hmm. get it literally doesn't get worse so fuck it maybe maybe there's a chance that the bucks are so fucking stupid that they're like this is a really stout rundy we got to get away from it and, and throw it over the top and they finally stumble into a decent game plan now on the other side of the ball we know that the panthers can run pretty well yeah but they can't but, pass. yeah they can't pass at all and the bucks their rush defense is not awful. They got some big boys up there. It's not what it was, but Akeem Hicks is still Akeem Hicks. I mean, well, no, he's not Akeem Hicks, but he's still a good player. Vita Vea may play. He may not. Uh, Logan Hall does suck all kinds of ass, just like Peyton Turner. They're the same guy. Neither of them are starters on the defensive line. Uh, but Anthony Nelson is 
a really good edge setting defensive end and Joe Tron's at least athletic. And hey, Devin White can't bust the fuck out of a coverage if you're running the ball. He'll miss his lane, but he can at least chase a guy down. So I think that this, I think everything lines up perfectly for Tampa. I think the matchups are perfect. And I think that in a backwards ass way, everything that Carolina does kind of forces the Bucks to play advantageous football. Amazing what happens when two terrible head coaches who are insistent upon playing 1978 football line up against each other. The better roster wins. I can't, do you hate me if I make the Bucks a bet? I don't want to make them a bet yet. I don't either, but I don't see how we don't. We'll do it maybe, but just well, know I, that this I maybe will become maybe, a line. But it probably will end up in the card, but well, it's early. This is what, the fourth game we're talking about? Yeah. Third game? Are there All any right. holes in that? Like, that feels really slam dunk. Um, I mean, I thought Vita Vea was going to play. I think he will. If if he plays, I think then I'm, I'm good with it because he is such a difference maker in that run game. Yeah. Um, they might even get Donovan Smith back. It's questionable. That would be that would be huge. If they got Donovan Smith back, but I I'm more worried about the defense. Um, because if you can stop the run against the Panthers, you're going to win. And if Vita Vea is in there instead of Logan Hall, that's a humongous upgrade. Yeah. Even just in how you have to game plan to attack that defense. Um. So if he's not playing, I'm I'm less sure about it. But if he is, then yeah, I'm fine with. It. I say we add it. All right. First light. All right. Tampa Bay minus three. Mm-hmm. There we go. Moving on. Next up, we have the Chicago Bears going to play the Detroit Lions. The Lions are minus six. And I can't stop puking on myself. I don't want to bet this game at all. I nope. lean Bears. We just saw what a power run game did to the Lions. I don't expect that it will happen again, but it could. I don't think either defense gets a stop ever. And I just don't want to lay six points with the fucking Lions. Because every yep. time everybody buys into the Lions, the Lions show us that they're really not great. It's just that the NFL kind of sucks. Now, granted, this is the week they'll win by 24 points. Yep. Because it, it's definitely that that those pussy dome teams from Detroit don't know how to play in the 40 degree weather. And They've never been outside Carolina. Um, but now that they're back in their safe zone, at the comfy 62. I don't know. Um, I don't want to lay six with the Lions either, especially after we saw from them last week and that maybe their defense can't stop the run and it was just bad teams. And Justin Fields might not be able to pass, but goddamn, can he run? Yep. Although so the, the I think Bills, we pass it. The Bills did have the novel idea last week of spying Justin Fields with Matt Milano and uh, Justin Fields couldn't do a fucking thing. So it's it's almost like when teams give a fuck about stopping the Bears, they do. Anyway, we move on. Let's find good games. Well, not yet. Next up, we have the Cleveland Browns going to play the Washington Commanders. Commanders are minus two. Well, it ain't good, but it's actionable. It's minus two, so we should absolutely bet this game one way or another. Yeah, I think it's actionable. I mean, Wentz is coming back. I know how which... you feel about that, but you know how I feel about that. Well, see, I think he actually profiles well against a Browns defense like this. Because of being all those dinks. Because they play soft coverage and he's going to be able, he doesn't really need to go for deep shots, but he can get them. And his incredible inaccuracy on deep shots doesn't really matter because the Browns can't cover deep either. And he's super fucking mobile. Yep. And the Browns, you know, they have two good defensive ends. Uh, mm-hmm. Miles has graded out pretty well, but he's still three play, like we talk about, especially since he hurt his shoulder in that car crash. He will have he a couple takes of plays really, off. He will have a couple of really game wrecking plays 
plays. Sometimes they come in a row and ruin a drive. And then he'll have a lot of plays where he disappears. Yeah, because he he takes plays off. Uh, Clowney is coming off of an injury. It looks like he's going to play, but you never know. Um, Team that just got eliminated from the playoffs. Can't imagine the Browns care too much. Yeah, and the Browns have nobody at linebacker. Their DBs are not great. Joe Woods is getting fired in two weeks. Yeah, I know. I saw that too. Uh, Reggie Ragland is supposed to start for uh, the Browns. This an week. extremely small sample size, 92 PFF grade. But yeah, no, the, the Browns are fucked. Their defensive, their entire defensive roster comes down to Miles Garrett is occasionally fucking unstoppable and occasionally hangs out on football fields. Uh, Jadevian Clowney is consistently very good, but not good enough to wreck a game and then everybody else exists on a field whether it be greg newsom being a solid corner number two or denzel ward occasionally being amazing with his ball skills but also just being small um and and they use newsom in the slot now too which makes no sense because that's like the opposite of what he's geared for they're they're one of the dumbest coaching staffs in the nfl like it's incredible i i've been warring here we're gonna get to it i've been warring with Deshaun Watson stands online all week, basically all month, because every time he plays, it's one of the worst games I've ever seen. He's consistently terrible. And when I say one of the worst games I've ever seen, I mean, amongst starting quarterbacks who are like widely considered starters, we're throwing Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis out. They are not humans uh, because they quarterback too poorly to qualify. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been terrible. Uh, here's a quick synopsis of all four games that I've broken down every play of on YouTube. And if you disagree with my analysis, please point to just one play where bias is affecting my studies. Uh, his head doesn't move. You watch the fucking film. You watch the all 22, the coaches film. So you can literally see his eyeballs, the tight copy. His head doesn't move. His eyes don't move. He stares at the guy that he picks pre-snap, and he's not even good at pre-snap reads, so it's usually not even the right fucking guy. It's typically just Amari Cooper. Stares at that guy, doesn't move his head, doesn't move his eyes, doesn't manipulate anybody, doesn't go through his reads, and then throws late. And typically not that accurately. He's bad. It's really bad. Now, if he can't produce to some extent against this secondary, put him out to pasture. Like, actually. Like, sign him up to go running with the bulls, and then, oh no, he, he wore red on axe. Who could have seen this coming? Maybe take him hunting for quails with your good buddy Dick Cheney. <laughs> Anyway, like this has nothing to do with the fact that he's a rapist. He's just bad at football. Big Ben was a rapist, but he was pretty good at football. So I talked about the football because only a lawyer when I'm being paid. The Browns have nothing to play for. They've been inept on offense. They can't even run the ball anymore. And they're certainly not going to run the ball against the Redskins who now have Chase Young back. And even if he's not what he was supposed to be, even if he had a really bad second year in the NFL and he's been hurt, still a freak athlete. You're still not going to move him off the ball. Excuse me for burping while I fucking broadcast, but... I don't see how the Browns win. I don't see how the Browns could care to win. And we've we've got a Redskins team that's playing for their lives. The yeah. The Washington is they're playing for the yachts. Forgot. I looked up the the weather. It looks like it's gonna be sunny, fifties, uh, high as sixty. It's gonna be perfect football weather. And that does scare me a little bit in this matchup because I agree the Browns will not be able to run whatsoever. They've been struggling to run the ball for the second half of the se- the entire second half of the season. Um Nick Chubb has hasn't looked great that line is beat up and not really performing so if they're going to win they're going to have to do it through the pass game because the Browns can't run and Washington has a really, really good defensive line. So it's going to be nice weather. Washington's secondary is garbage and the Browns are going to lean on the pass and they have advantage there. 
I mean, uh, Amari Cooper is a good matchup advantage for anybody in in Washington. Njoku is a matchup advantage, assuming he catches the balls. So they should have opportunity to pass. It just comes down to can Deshaun hit stuff or move on to second reads. You, you know why? You know why the Browns don't have an advantage? Because this it doesn't come down to the fact that Montez. Yeah, they have Montez sweat rather yeah. than Josh. Josh is in Philly. Yes, they're not even related, or they didn't, <laughs> they didn't. They're cousins but like separated and they didn't know um just like nick and bradley chubb they're actually cousins they had no idea until they got to the nfl uh really there's a place called chubb town in georgia uh where apparently everybody's just chubbs and they're cousins uh, i would talk <laughs> shit there's gotta be some really interesting history there but i would talk shit but i'm lakota so i just call every engine person cousin so uh i can't talk shit pot kettle black uh, it's not so much that Montez Sweat and Chase Young are necessarily awesome defensive ends. I think they're both good, not great, but they are awesome athletes. They're very fast. Why does this matter? Deshaun Watson has two plays. He's had two plays his entire fucking career. Go back to Clemson. He's had two plays. Play number one, throw a deep ball to a streaking, uh, well, I guess Kenny Stills or Will Fuller. In this case, I guess Amari Cooper, but that's really not even his game. Or throw a jump ball to New Hopkins. Literally just New Hopkins. nobody else. Clemson and Houston, New Hopkins. Play two and the play he prefers, the play that he made his name on is, hmm, it's man coverage. Hmm. I've got time in the pocket. Hmm. I'm going to bail out of the fucking pocket anyway and roll to my right because there's a wide receiver running parallel to me. I'll create an artificial high-low read and play monkey in the middle with the one defender covering that receiver. You can't bail out of a clean pocket as easy when you got two extremely fast defensive ends who will chase you down. So my bet is that one time in this game, Watson does his little high-low monkey in the middle bullshit and he gets sacked and fumbles. I think that's going to happen. Additionally, Deshaun Watson hasn't gone a game without putting the ball in serious harm's way. Just last week, yeah. he had three dropped picks against the the Saints and a pick that also got picked that was just a bad throw and didn't deserve to be picked. So I think that Watson's going to turn the ball over. I don't think that he can process. I don't think that he can handle the dinks and dunks that Kevin Stefanski wants him to run, even if it is an advantage because this Redskins, this commander secondary is bad and plays soft. I think that Watson is not good enough to take advantage. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very plausible. I mean, he's played what, four games now and the most they've scored in any game is like 17, 13. On, On offense, it is 13. Yeah, insane. Four games. And they've been against bad teams. Houston, they scored three points or six uh, on offense against Houston. Three or six points. One of the two. Forget which. Uh against the Saints, a beaten up defense. They scored 10 points on offense. Yeah, because they had 10 points. Uh, and yep. one of those is because Grant Delpit gave them the ball in the red zone. Um, and then they scored 13 against the Ravens. 13 against the Ravens in a game and... where the Ravens turned the ball over three times, four times. Um, I don't know. I know there was one pick. Well, there were two missed kicks, a pick and a fumble. So four times. Yeah, they had, yep, you're all over it four times. <laughs> Dude, I've... Dude, they had four fumbles that game. They only lost one but yeah no, um, so, and and then they scored 10 against the Bengals. so how do you feel about making the redskins a bet i think i'm actually okay with it i mean i'm a little worried because wentz hasn't played like i know he got in at the end of last week but um he hasn't really played and he struggled this year but they're asking him to do the thing he's good at yeah and they i mean i think they have the advantage in a they lot got, of key spots they also got three sick receivers they do i mean i don't 
don't think that matters as much because the Browns have good DBs if they man them up. But here's here's the thing. The way that the Browns play, they're going to have Newsom in the slot, right? Yeah. So he's going to be on Curtis Samuel, which is probably the guy you're least worried about. That means that you've got Emerson on the outside, who's pretty good, but slow. And he either yeah, he's has had to, a good year, but he, he either has to cover F1 McLaurin, one of the fastest receivers in the league, or Jahan Dotson, who's quick as shit. Whichever one Emerson doesn't cover goes to Ward. Terry McLaurin is only 6'1", but he plays like he's 6'4". He's a jump ball king. Denzel Ward is 5'10", 5'9", 5'8", in that area. Denzel Ward, tiny guy. Just throw jump balls. Carson Wentz can throw a jump ball. Mm-hmm. And the Browns safeties are god awful john johnson knows he's getting released in two weeks yep or you know maybe not in two weeks but it, this offseason he's he's I mean, packing he does not care he's packing yeah i mean he and, didn't and he's probably care happy to he, pack yeah he didn't care when he got here nope it was money let alone now that he knows he's getting released he's, he's gonna, looking at what team he's gonna sign with he's he's trying to see if he can get his old place in la back yeah and delpit's awful granted i don't know if john johnson wants to go uh be anywhere near baker brandon staley his old dc oh that's that would be so fitting for them too derwin james just gave himself a traumatic brain injury they need a safety i can make um, that joke because he did it to himself he did really did he right. he tried to Killed that guy. And then he killed himself. And then he and then he fucking couldn't get up. Oh god, it's fucking morbid to make fun of. But he literally couldn't get up because he headbutted a dude in the shoulder as hard as he could for no reason. The play would have been a loss if he fucking hugged him. Um, gave himself a traumatic brain injury, and then like tried to pass it off as like, oh, I was just catching a breath while I knelt on the ground and tried to get up, but had Bambi legs. So uh Derwin James brain being absolutely fucking rotten to the core aside, Washington minus two. Absolutely. By the way, this is just a fun little thing. The Commanders are seven seven and one this year. Mm -hmm. They are also seven seven and one against the spread. How it's... often does that happen? Like at the end of the year, where their their record is the same as their spread record? Ain't that some serendipity? Especially with a tie, right? Like they tied, <laughs> and they're still whatever. Uh, I agree. Let's let's make it a bet. We're gonna bet on Deshaun continuing to be shitty. Yeah, that is the handicap. Is basically Deshaun sucks, and the Browns no longer care. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Next up, we have the Denver Broncos is going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus 12 and a half. No. Yeah, we don't need to talk about this. I mean, I mean you could do Denver as a leg, but... I mean, Kansas City? <laughs> Kansas City is a... Oh, don't do Denver say, as a let's leg. Let's chill the fuck out here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you could use them as a leg, but even that, like, you don't even get that much value because if you tease it, no, this you're is down a, to, what, six and a half? This is one of my favorites uh, earlier in the season. Every year, I love using Ohio State Moneyline as a leg because it's like minus 1,500 and you get 10 cents on the line, so it just eliminates the VIG. But yeah, no, it's really not even worth it. Yeah, so move on. Denver Next is game. an absolute dumpster fire. Russ finally hit the bottom. Yeah, it's crazy, man. All right, next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts going to play the New York Giants. The Giants are minus six. Next game. I'm not laying six <laughs> with the Giants. Right, like that's uh, two very bad teams. It's a great leg. Nothing it's a to play leg. for. It's a teaser leg through the ass. Teaser leg. Yeah, teaser leg. Perfect teaser leg. Moving on. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are plus four and a half. What do they know that I don't? Right? And do they, I mean, do they think the Jags are going to kind of hang out this week or something? Uh, honestly, they could because... If they Jag win week 18, they're good. Yeah, it literally has nothing to play for. Like, But I don't know. Um, I really don't fucking know. I'm not touching it. Yeah, 
I feel kind of scared about it, but I feel like we might look back on this next week and be like, why the hell did we not bet the Jets? Well, here's the thing. I don't like I don't like laying four and a half ever anyway, because it's just a very strange number. Um, right. Like it's not only the four, which is scary, but also like basically you have to win by a touchdown. Minus four and a half is the same as minus six. Um, yeah. This is minus six, but like tricky. Um, And it is a game where the Jaguars literally don't have anything to play with or play for. So I don't want to touch it. We could do better. But yeah, Jacksonville is going to win. But no, I don't want to touch it. And like the Texans have sneaky been playing a lot of close games recently. Like since they brought Davis Mills back, their last three games. So they lost to the Cowboys by four. They lost to the Chiefs in overtime by six. And then they beat the Titans last week by five. So like they haven't been the complete dumpster fire that they were earlier in the year where they were just getting housed by everyone. Um, But yeah, they're still going to lose this game. I feel like there's a chance that they keep it relatively close, though, because it's a divisional matchup. The Jags might be looking ahead to next week. And you're right. We can do better. So let's move on. Next up, we have the Miami Dolphins going to play the New England Patriots. The Patriots are minus three, though that looks like it's about to move to two and a half. Or yeah, two and a half, three and a half. Um, because it's Miami minus or uh, Miami plus three plus 100, right? No, other way around. So it's Miami plus three minus 120 Patriots oh. minus three even. So it's about to move. Fuck. Go get that Miami shit right now. Cause this was, this was three and a half last night. Apparently Tua not playing is news that has excited the betting market. Cause people have been listening to me. God damn it. Um, I hate when I'm right all the time. Uh, except when I'm picking games on this podcast, apparently all the other games I pick. Great. Uh, all the quarterback evaluations. Great. Games I pick on this podcast, iffy. Anyway, this is going to be our best bet of the week. Miami Moneyline. Miami has things to play for. New England does not. New England's done. Uh, Miami has an extremely exotic tricky offense. New England has no starting corners healthy. Nobody on earth can run with Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. Marcus Jones is close, but no cigar. Uh, Miles Bryant and Jack Jones. Oh shit, it's Jonathan Jones starting over Jack Jones? This is dumb. Okay, yeah, the Patriots are fucking dumb on defense. They're not going to fucking stop shit. Teddy Bridgewater's an upgrade from Tua. He's going to have all week to practice. We've seen Teddy Bridgewater play in two games prior to this. One was against uh, the Vikings, who are a much, much better team than the Patriots, and we've seen that play out head-to-head. The Vikings absolutely deserve to, or the Dolphins absolutely deserve to beat the Vikings on the road. Some last second tipped ball interceptions and fluky bad luck ruined that, made it a three-point game. Against the Bengals, Teddy Bridgewater came in cold and despite the fact that Tua had dug him a hole with two interceptions already, Teddy Bridgewater led the uh, Dolphins on almost a win. Yeah, the only reason that I'm going to say like where I'm not like 100% best bet, though I do think we make this bet, um, is because it is a backup and the chemistry issues that we talked about when we were doing bullshit report earlier can come in like yeah he's got all week totally true but it's still tough when you're you've only played two games a season not even one and a half and we've we've seen a lot of the effects of backups not having the chemistry with guys from handoffs to little picks even with teddy in those games he came in you saw what happened in some of them where he just didn't have the chemistry with guys and it led to some issues so that's the only thing that scares me but straight up matchup I mean, this is this is perfect in a vacuum, like assuming no rust for Teddy and everything is cohesive. I would say that this should be Miami minus seven. Yeah, I could see that. I think minus six at the at the lowest. Yeah, because it is in uh, Foxborough. So give them two points for home field because it's relatively cold. It's going to be 60 degrees and overcast. This is fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. And uh, honestly, I think that so Bill Belichick is a lot of things. I think he is a bad coach in a lot of ways. But one of the things that he's amazing at is preparation and like figuring 
figuring out game plans that are perfectly tailored to who he's playing, right? He's not mm-hmm. like a uh, Les Frazier with the Buffalo Bills when they played the Dolphins, ran the same exact defense he always does. Bill Belichick is the exact opposite. He finds out how to beat you, and then he does that thing this week. It's why he values versatility in his players. I think that's going to bite them in the ass because the way you beat Tua is just by dropping zones because you know that Tua is a coward who can't process and has a weak arm. Teddy Bridgewater is kind of a coward, but he can process and his arm is slightly stronger. It's still not strong, but Teddy Bridgewater can see that you are dropping zones on him. He's a veteran with Savvy, who was a good processor early in his career as well. And he will take the checkdowns. He will find the voids. He will say that it, that looks a little bit covered, but it's still Tyreek Hill one-on-one. I'm still going to throw it and it'll be okay. So the Patriots are going to have to change their defense up a little bit. It's going to throw them off a little bit. They're not going to have that typical strategizing advantage that they enjoy. I love every fucking thing about this entire bet so goddamn much. And I absolutely adore the poetry of Teddy Bridgewater coming in and dragging the Dolphins to the playoffs after Tua spent the last month and a half trying to piss it away. Yeah. I mean, the Dolphins have been a team of runs this year, and I feel like this is a good spot for them to turn it around. I mean, they all they have to do is win this game and then watch the Jets lose and they clinch the playoffs. But mm-hmm. God forbid they win this game and the Jets uh, hold serve. They play the Jets next week, and I can't see Tua playing next week either. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little sad because it would be very reasonable for Tua to simply no longer play football. Yeah, I mean, he's got three concussions this year. Yeah, I, like it would be very reasonable for him to walk away from the game. And I would be a little frustrated if people blamed his failure on head trauma rather than him always sucking forever. It sucks when that happens. Like I would, I'd rather the guy stay healthy and prove to the world that he simply isn't a caliber of human that is high enough to play in this league rather than getting hurt and letting everybody wonder. All right. Well, I don't think there's anything else to say about that one. Ready to move on? That's bad. Miami. All right. Next up in the final game of the one o'clock hour, I'm in the East Coast time, so back to one o'clock. Okay. We have the New Orleans Saints going to play the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are minus six and a half. I don't want the Saints if Jalen Hurts plays, but I don't want it bad enough, so I'm going to pass this game all the fucking gather. Yeah, I think this is a pass. I mean, the Eagles are maybe a bit of a falling star. Some big injuries recently. Avante Maddox is out. They might be getting... CJ Gardner Johnson back, but probably not for a little bit longer. The weather should be fine, but I just think it's a big enough number. We don't need to bet on this game. We don't Let's need this game, on. and I honestly don't even like the tease. Yeah, uh, I I would feel pretty okay with the tease, but motivation mismatch. Yeah, the, the Saints, if they win this game, they're totally the fuck in it, which is crazy. Yeah, but the the Eagles are fighting for the one seed, which is a buy. Yeah, like they should have it, unless you know they lose both their games and the Cowboys win, or you know, both of them, or whoever else. But it's not like they're just coasting but still i agree we pass it yeah all right next up in the first game of the four o'clock hour the new york jets go to play the seattle seahawks the seahawks are plus two this game is tough as fuck yeah it's honestly it's it's a mirror image it's a mirror image like gino and mike white are pretty similar caliber in that they can start but they're not good at it um you've got really good receivers on both sides but you've got really good corners on both sides and the corners like sauce gardner and tyree or Tariq woolen play very similarly they're both long they're both really good on routes that don't involve quickness and they both play cover three like it's it's a tough matchup i don't want to pick this game even though it's super actionable just because it's it's so good it's such a perfect matchup these these teams are both so average yeah i i have a really hard time picking between these two i mean i think the jets will get a bit of a boost with mike white coming back 100 uh, just 
because just from, you know, let alone that he's better than Zach Wilson is, but they love that fucking guy. And we've seen how much harder and better they play when he's playing compared to Zach Wilson. So I think they're going to get a boost from that. And that might push me onto their side, especially because the Seahawks have, you know, come back to earth and been a little bit more we expected of them the last month. Part of the problem, though, is that it's Mike White. So like healthy Mike White is okay. Right. Like, and even he's though got, there's the perception. He's- his ribs are so fucked up that he couldn't find, he went to 10 doctors last week and none of them would clear him. So he's clearly fucked up. And we saw how Justin Herbert, the best quarterback in the NFL, looked with moderately fucked up ribs. This guy's got worse ribs and he's not Justin Herbert. So I don't want to touch this game. It's a fucking toss up, assuming health. We don't necessarily have health. No. Yeah, I'm completely fine with leaving this game. And like, I think on. I think the Jets have an advantage in that they can run the ball better because it's a Shanahan style offense. And well, not even better, just they can run the ball better than average. And the Seahawks cannot stop the run at all. Whereas the Seahawks run the ball pretty damn well, regardless of which of their four legitimately decent or better running backs are playing, because they seem to take one in the first round every other year. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Jets are just much better at stopping the run. So a lot of analysis to say, let's go to the next game. Yep. All right. Next up, we have the San Francisco 49ers going to play the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are plus 10. So it's tough not to bet on the team that's catching double digits and has the better quarterback because Jared mm-hmm. Stidham is great. I don't know if you caught this while we've been recording, the Raiders sat Derek Carr. They sat him? Yeah, they're benching him. Like he wasn't, he's not no, secretly he's, hurt. He's, they he's straight benched. up sat him? Uh, two days ago, Josh McDaniel said, we need better play from the quarterback position. And today they benched him for Jarrett Stidham, who I think is very good and probably the best backup in the NFL. Up there, up there, one of the best backups in the NFL. But uh, yeah, Derek Carr's gone. I wonder where he goes. Oh man, there that'll be quite a... They're going to get Brady it, or Baker. That would be... McDaniels loves Brady and Baker. I, I don't want to see Baker go to that team though, because their offensive line is atrocious. Well, you say that and I agree, but what if they add things? I mean, if they get three offensive linemen this offseason... Not out of the question they have a high a relatively high first round pick mm-hmm. so but i feel like there are it's there are not a lot of offensive linemen free agents no because the- that position group is getting thinner and thinner every year so it's harder to get people and a lot of guys that might have gone to free agency have gotten re-signed already this is off-season podcasting yes um i don't know man i i I understand now a little bit more why it's plus 10. I don't I don't think you can bet on this game. They might murder Jarrett Stidham because Bosa is having an insane year. Yeah. And that defense in general is just everywhere. Yeah, and, and they're going to run the ball all over a bad Raiders rush defense. And they're going to limit the possessions because they just want to get out of there healthy. The 49ers clearly win this game. I don't want to tease it because I do think Jarrett Stidham's really good and he will have a little bit of a surprising game. I think the market's misvaluing him completely. I don't think that the drop off from Derek Carr to him is actually significant. I think that it's like a point or two. Um, and I, I think Derek Carr is an above average quarterback. But yeah, I, the only fun thing to say about this game is that the Raiders got jobbed last week by Christ. Uh, they should have caught balls and those balls turned into interceptions. That sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, they should have won that fucking game. I would have won my dad's office pool if I did, or if they did rather, but I can't bet it. I can't tease it yeah. either way because I could see the 49ers winning by 20, but I could also see the Raiders keeping it close. So I'm not touching it. Next game. Yeah, let's move on. Next up, we have the Los Angeles Rams going to play the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus six and a half. The Rodney King Bowl, the battle for 
for Los Angeles. That is uh, a that is a Rage Against the Machine reference. It's a great album. It's a great band. Uh, Chargers have nothing to play for. They just clinched the playoffs. Unfortunately, we have another year of Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi just sticking toothpicks in our eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Rams are uh, the Rams are on fire. Yeah, I mean, out of their last three games, the the Baker stretch, they haven't been playing perfect football by any stretch of the imagination, but they've been playing really clean football. McVay's dialing it up. He's getting guys open and has Baker working through his progressions really well. That's the thing that I've been impressed with Baker is that there was always a little bit of a knock on he only reads half the field and you can see him where he's going through three or four reads like every single play. I do. I think it's, I think it's really fucking funny by the way, that the knock on Baker in Cleveland is like, Oh, he only reads like two or three of the routes per play. And now the knock on Deshaun Watson is like, he literally looks at one guy. Like I would be so grateful to just watch a quarterback who gets through half of his reads because between Tua and Deshaun Watson, it's a lot of not that. I need to start making videos on better quarterbacks. <laughs> positive. It's positive. They're more fun. But maybe. but you earlier you mentioned the, they're not playing perfect, the Rams. Make me feel kind of did last week. He had a really good week. No, I it mean, wasn't, I, it was not perfect, but it was damn near. It wasn't perfect, and it wasn't even necessarily... There were there weren't that many highs, but mm-hmm. like, like he had seven positive throws. Two of them were great. One of them was the touchdown to Higby where he's getting lit up. And there was even a roughing the passer or something on that play. And he still threw a fucking absolute dime. Uh, he oh. also had a, a deeper throw to Higby that set up the first touchdown. Uh, it was like an over route that was like 20 yards, 22 yards downfield play action. Really good stuff. Um, other than that, it was all pedestrian, all routine throws. But for the first time ever in three years of scouting football games and about 20,000 snaps, being watched. Uh, Baker Mayfield is the first quarterback that ever was accurate on 100% of his aimed passes in a game that I watched. Now, PFF still thought that this was a below average performance because PFF really likes shooting PCP into their fucking aorta before watching these games. I don't understand how he had the below average performance by their metric because they love completions. They don't like Baker Mayfield. And he was like, he had the perfect, like if Tua had that game, oh my God, people would be losing their shit because that's all, those are two his best games are a bunch of little completions no logic there is literally no logic it is impossible for there to have been logic that's okay i don't really actually care because yeah Um, i like i i saw people arguing with me like baker mayfield actually still sucks look at his yards per attempt with the rams like yeah it really sucks how in the last three weeks of being in this offense he's had three weeks of being really good (laughs) like having seven yards per attempt and being good uh yeah i mean it's it's a little absurd it doesn't matter Let's get to the game itself. Exactly. Uh, Last week, Baker was perfect on aim passes. Part of the reason is because the Broncos were playing not soft, but softer coverage, and he was just progressing really well, like you said, and checking it down where it's applicable and being early on his reads and being in rhythm. Just smart, accurate football. Drew Brees-style football. It's not ideal. I'd like to see more, but can't knock it. People always ask me on my videos and shit, like, what if somebody makes... 30 pedestrian throws, and but they're accurate on every single one. I say that's a C plus. When they make 17 pedestrian throws and they're accurate on every single one and they make seven positive throws, that's an A plus. They did everything right. Um, the Chargers play really soft zone and that's when they care. They don't care in this game. They're missing Derwin James. He's concussed and probably suspended if he wasn't concussed. The Chargers are going to be playing off coverage. The Chargers are going to be resting players. They are the kings of analytics, which means that they like to rest when they don't have anything to play for. They have nothing to play for. They like Even the rest versus rust thing, if they really wanted to avoid rust, they they could still try next week, give themselves this week to chill. I don't think the Chargers are going to do much. I think it's going to be a really boring game. I think that Baker Mayfield will check it down under those soft zones really well. I think he'll have one or two big plays down the field on busted coverages. And I think that the Rams
Rams will at the very least keep it close, but I would not be surprised in the slightest if they won. I don't want to bet this game though, because it's just weird, murky motivation. And I'm afraid of betting on Baker Mayfield because people keep on telling me that I'm insane about him. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when looking at the way the Rams have been playing since Baker came in, plus six and a half at what is effectively a home game. Make no mistake about it. This will be a Rams home game. Yeah. I mean, they have the fan base and it's in their home stadium. And they're more exciting right now because Baker is fun to watch. He's a storyline. I just also think Chargers fans just don't exist in LA. They don't. Or really anywhere except San Diego. Yeah, there's some in there's some in the OC, but that's yeah, that's it. Um, and so six and a half, I feel like is a good spot. So I wouldn't hate taking the Rams here, but they're still a bad team that I don't really want to bet on. Like their defense could give up 40 points at any moment, in my opinion. So I think we just leave it, move on to our final four o'clock game. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's the best way to go. All right. Next up, we have the Minnesota Vikings going to play the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are minus three and a half, though that's about to go to three. Vikings plus three and a half. Lock it in. I don't fucking understand. Yeah, I mean, the the Packers were losing that game last week until Tua got another concussion and then really couldn't fucking play like he wasn't playing well no and then couldn't see straight or remember what the play was listen even like, even even i'll admit dude two two got worse after the concussion because i've never seen anything that bad absolutely i mean he they, he's he said in the interview he called the wrong play at one point because he couldn't or he couldn't remember if he called the wrong play now the the first one is scary the second one sounds like some classic to a bullshit like when he fucking insinuated that his dad would beat him for being too christian right after winning the national championship on live tv at 19 years old he insinuated that his dad would beat him for being too christian and praising jesus he's a strange guy he's fucking weird he's not good at football he's bad but like that's the only reason the packers were able to win that game yep where Tua plays poorly it's gonna be you know it's gonna be chilly at lambo but it's not gonna be like it was a couple weeks ago where it's 15 degrees out it's gonna be above freezing i know it's a dome team but it's minnesota 37 degrees is fine and minnesota again i feel like people still think they suck Mm -hmm. this is the thing and i've been talking a lot with friend of the program restore the roar about this people are so upset by the fact that the vikings have a lot of close wins that they don't look at how the wins happen if you watch the games like last week against the giants it was a one score game it was a field goal game the vikings dominated the whole fucking game go watch the Patriots game. Oh, it was one score game. It was one score game. The Vikings dominated the game. They played prevent defense and New England came back a little bit. If you watch the games, Minnesota's gotten lucky in two, arguably, theoretically, maybe three games. They were really lucky against Buffalo. They should have lost to Buffalo. Everybody should lose to Buffalo. If Josh Allen cares, they're the best team in the NFL. I'm I'm convinced that Josh Allen's inconsistency is based just on his attention deficit. He's he's just inexplicably bad sometimes. And then they're like, oh, Josh, we really need you here. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm the best quarterback in the NFL real quick. Okay, you done? I'm going to go have a smoke break and just like fuck around. Um, They also got lucky against the Dolphins, as we said. But that's the Dolphins with their better quarterback. And well, fuck it. No, they just deserve to lose. The Dolphins are a pretty good team and they deserve to lose to them. Uh, There's also an argument that Detroit should have had them in one of the games, but I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like the Vikings kind of had them where they wanted them all game. But because Restore the Roar was uh, the guy who tipped me off to how high we are on the Vikings. I'm, I'll, I'll defer to him on that. Might be worth noting that he's a Lions fan and sometimes he gets passionate. I, fandom. I, I'm jealous. Anyway, everybody's so pissed off that the Vikings have these close wins that they assume that they're frauds. They're not frauds. They just really haven't played anybody because there really isn't anybody to fucking play this year. You know, like yeah. last last year, the Vikings are like a 9-10 win team. They're a nice team that makes the playoffs and they're fodder for one of the elite teams in the first round. But this is a bad year. There's like two or four good teams, depending on how you look at it. Like It's San Francisco. It is 
is the Bills when Josh Allen cares. It is Kansas City most of the time, but not always. And it is either the Bengals or the Eagles, but like both teams have their flaws. Minnesota's yeah. fine. Min- Minnesota's a fine team and everybody's just overreacting, saying that they are overrated and they are lucky. And oh, they won on a 61-yard kick. It should have never been that fucking close. Should have been a touchdown win. So I think that the market is devaluing the Vikings for reasons that have nothing to do with actual football and everything just to do with the way that their bets have been going. And therefore, I think that the Vikings have value from a theoretical standpoint, like a market standpoint, on top of the fact that I think they are the better team that has value on the field. So real quickly, and then I'll pass it off to you. I think the Vikings have a better quarterback because Aaron Rodgers continues to suck. He continues to try to turn the ball over. He's not consistent. He's very arrogant, taking bad sacks and throwing downfield when he should just be taking first downs. And Kirk Cousins has low-key been pretty fucking good this year. He's had a couple stinkers like he always does, but Kevin O'Connell's really spoken to him. I don't know what the fuck it is, but Kirk Cousins has like the second highest graded game of the season this year, like three weeks ago. Yeah, he's he's been playing well. I mean, that whole offense, and you have to give a ton of credit to Justin Jefferson and Cobb about to for, say. for working it out because Justin Jefferson is simply unguardable right now. Well, And because he's so unguardable, it encourages Kirk Cousins to do the thing he never really wanted to do, which was have some balls. Like, yeah. And then when he has balls throwing downfield to Justin Jefferson, it gets him in a mode of like, oh shit, I can use this whole third level of the field. I can do that to other dudes. I can hit KJ Osborne, who's really fast. I can find Adam Thielen. I can throw to TJ Hawkinson because the defense is so spread out. Like Justin Jefferson is so much more valuable to this team than simply being awesome when the ball is thrown to him because not only does he stretch the field and spread out the field, but it enables Kirk to feel like a man. Like actually, it, it is it is emboldened Kirk and emboldening Kirk changes the way defenses have to play you. And this is a Green Bay team that loves soft zone. We saw it week one and it's not going to change. Both of these teams love soft zone. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw deep into that soft zone because he can't help himself. And that's how you get fucked up. Meanwhile, the Packers are going to continue dinking and dunking under this soft zone and it's not going to be consistent enough. Fuck. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw deep because he can't help himself. When they're not, they're going to dink and dunk under the soft zone of the Vikings. The problem is a couple of those mistakes, a couple of sacks where Rodgers holds onto the ball too long, which he's done in every game this year, a couple of deep throws when they should have been short throws to wide open receivers, that'll kill your 12 play drive. On the other side, the Vikings against soft zone are just too clever. Kevin O'Connell is too good at moving Justin Jefferson around and getting him open. In zones, cornerbacks don't follow, which means he will be able to locate the linebacker in the slot or the safety in man coverage and exploit them with one of, if not the best receivers in the NFL. Eric Stokes isn't even there to help out. So that really hurts. There's no Rashawn Gary, so there's not going to be any substantial pass rush. And the Vikings are only getting healthier on the defense offensive line. Like mm-hmm. Christian Derrissaw should be totally fine. Brian O'Neill is totally fine. There's center. Garrett Bradbury's hurt. Austin Schlotman does suck as their backup, but if you had to hide somebody, I'd hide him at center. Yeah, and and the offense has really been coming together. Like you're talking about, if it's opened up because of Justin Jefferson, I mean, TJ Hawkinson had an incredible week. Thielen's had incredible weeks. KJ Osborne's had incredible weeks. It's just kind of like they all rotate because they are deep at their playmakers, and Justin Jefferson makes it so that everyone gets easy assignment. And now they're smart. Yeah. They're so smart. Um, I, I like this matchup. I mean, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk matchup, but when you take in what the line is like, it's plus three and a half. We're catching points when, with a better team. Mm-hmm, especially when the Vikings, all of their games are one score games anyway. And we're, we're protected on, you know, three quarters of one score game outcomes, basically. Yes. If it's touchdown, win by touchdown, win by field goal 
lose by field goal. We're covered on all those. Yeah. No, we're um I love it at plus three and a half. And I would make a bonus bet on the money line. Yeah. I think I think this is another one that very well could end up in the best bet spot. I, I was about to say, I think Miami and Minnesota should both be best bets. And then we should also put a bonus bet on Minnesota money line because you can get plus one fifty on one of the top six teams in the NFL against a middling team. Yeah. I think that's uh that's a fun way to look at it. So we have two best bets then. All right. We only need one more. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to Sunday night. We might have one here. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers going to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are minus two and a half. 50 degrees in Baltimore, scattered clouds. Yeah, I'm thinking birds. Absolutely. I'm flapping my wings like a bird, even though I know that's an Eagles thing. Um, Atlantic bird cities. They count. The Ravens really figured something out last week, allowing Tyler Huntley to throw down the field and use his legs a little bit more rather than trying to dink and dunk because he's not a pocket passer. Wow. Um, there's also a decent chance that Lamar comes back. I don't care. I don't think he plays. I also don't care. Um, the Steelers got lucky as fuck last week, and it's not going to happen yeah. again. It, it happens against teams that they have some sort of like coaching advantage or something like that. They also had the Franco Harris motivation game and the cold against a team that's from Las fucking Vegas. This is a cold weather team against a cold weather team in a rivalry game. Both teams are kind of playing for their playoff lives. Motivation is going to be equal. Advantage will be equal. It's going to come down to the players and the Ravens are better. Yep, I agree. I mean, you know, the Steelers, their defensive line is always a thing to worry about, especially when you have a Ravens team that is built a little bit through controlling the line of scrimmage. Yeah. But they've been good on the offensive line still, and Huntley has settled in really nicely. Last week, you know, it, it seems like maybe he got where he's developed some of that chemistry they opened up the playbook for him. And the offense looked pretty good. Yep. I think they're in a good spot. The Steelers, their defense is still good, but God, that offense is bad. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is Kenny Pickett didn't look good last week. He just looked fine. Yeah, and that's his ceiling. And that's exactly his ceiling. And it's only going to be harder against a Ravens defense that is confusing and talented. And they're going to play zones that trick Kenny Pickett. They're going to sit on things. They're not going to give him the easy underneath throws that he's used to. You you can't run. You cannot run on the Ravens right now. Absolutely not. Ever since they added Roquan, you can't run on them. So I mean, they they've done a really good job of patching holes on that team to the point that they have a pretty complete squad. Yeah, I mean, the biggest hole on their team right now is in the secondary because Marcus Peters went down, but they still have Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, and we know he'll, he'll force a fumble. And they still have the best free safety in football in Marcus Williams. So, like, we're laying what, two? Two and a half. Fuck it. I mean, what's our Monday? Oh, fuck, I love our Monday night game, too. Okay, this is a maybe then. Fuck. The Steelers are so overrated, but it is tough to run on them. It is. But and I want J.J. Buffalo. Watt has his, can I, wreck some games. I want Buffalo. T.J. Watt hasn't been that good lately. He's hurt. Yeah. But he still has that ability. Yeah. It's the same way Miles Garrett. Like, Miles isn't the same. But yeah. just by how incredible they are, they can have a couple plays where they wreck a game. But or, I'm, you know, wreck one drive that ends up being deciding. But but, but, but I like Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I do too. We can move on to Monday night. But this is the problem is I don't know which one I like better. Buffalo scares me because they've been playing like shit. They have. But, and, and Cincinnati's always liable to do some Cincy shit. And Buffalo doesn't have the corners to... To match up with the receiver can we officially move on to the next game maybe this one yep and then yep. okay so monday night 
We have the Buffalo Bills going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are plus one. I don't have the weather, but I assume it's going to be fine. Yeah, I, I think the NFL will fire up the old weather machine to make sure that this perfect Monday night game is perfect. But as you were saying with the corners, I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I hear it. Yeah, because that's the, the biggest advantage in how this Bengals ever went is they go and they have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase, who are all legitimately good receivers. But do you but they know? They can just find weaknesses. Do you know how? the Patriots so Joe Burrow looked amazing in the first half last week he really it was I've never seen him play anywhere near that well before it was a plus perfect football it was amazing I was impressed I was like literally I had my hat in my mouth chewing ready to eat it after the week prior saying that Joe Burrow is a game manager Mm -hmm. and then in the second half the Patriots came out and played zones and it all went away because the basic strategy that Joe Burrow was operating off last week is I have T Higgins he's like 6'5 and they're covering with Marcus Jones, who's like 5'8". If I put it high, I win. And then Jamar Chase just being Jamar Chase, doing Jamar Chase things, breaking tackles, finding voids in the second level of the defense. Outrunning everyone. Being good. Being really good. And smart uh, and strong. Good in all the ways that aren't at the combine. But we know the Bills are going to play cover too out of nickel. That And that's it. So theoretically, if they can come up and tackle Jamar Chase, they'll be fine. And theoretically, if they have somebody who has the ball skills to hang with T. Higgins, they'll be fine. Tredavious White has awesome ball skills. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Dane Jackson is not fast, but he's got really good ball skills. Christian Benford's mm-hmm. not very fast, but he's got really good ball skills. Basically, the Bills are meant to play teams with possession receivers because they're going to play zone. They have ball skills. They can't run. And their safety are really good at coming up and hitting and covering and playing football. Uh, Micah Hyde being out really hurts because this guy, Damar Hamlin, who I'm not familiar with, certainly is not as good as all pro Micah Hyde, but Poyer is still playing. He's still great. Milano is an awesome cleanup tackler and Trey Edmonds is not a good linebacker, but he's very like similar to Devin White in that he's fast and he cleans up shit. So if you throw your screen to Jamar Chase, maybe he breaks the first tackle. He always breaks the first tackle, but the second tackle will be from a linebacker or a good safety who can light him up. The Bills don't have a good pass rush, especially without Von Miller. It's bad without Von Miller, but the Bengals don't have a great offensive line and it's only gotten worse because now that Lael Collins is down, our old friend Hakeem Adeniji is starting again. They just can't get rid of him. And losing Lael really hurts him because he's been, he's been good for them this year and a big part of like the, the cultural shift for him. Yeah, he's, he's been up and down, but mostly, especially lately, very good. Um, yeah. And I think he just meet, it brings that nastiness that they need. Shaq Lawson has a very funny picture on his PFF profile. And I think that just needed to be stated. Um, I like the way that the Bills match up defensively against the Bengals. I think we are going to see some more regression out of Burrow. I think it'll be a very pedestrian game from him. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say a C- minus because most of his games end up C- minus D+. The Bills are a team that'll take advantage of balls that are put in harm's way and don't look now, but Joe Burrow has started putting the ball back in harm's way after being pretty clean all season. And when push does come to shove, the Bengals like to play a three-man rush on defense. This is their thing. Drop eight, right? You want to drop eight against Josh Allen? Yeah, exactly. Now you got white Cam Newton running right through your linebacker. So, because he is the best running quarterback in the NFL for my money, Lamar Jackson get fucked. Additionally, like, and again, because they drop eight and play zones, it's similar to the Bills in that it doesn't matter quite as much. They really obviate the need for great defensive backs because they have, they put so many on the field at once and ask them to do so little. But Stefan Diggs is going to be covered by either Eli Apple or Cam Taylor Britt. Stefan Diggs. The Bills. I mean, I would I would bet that he ends up getting bracketed some way or another. Yeah. I mean, he will just by nature of having an eight man drop zone. Yeah. But yeah, anytime he's on an island, he should be getting the ball. Exactly. And they will find ways to get him the ball. They always do. They will find ways to get Isaiah McKenzie the ball in, 
space. Trey Hendrickson's playing with a broken wrist. Sam Hubbard's not playing, so there is going to be no pass rush. Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, they have Hubbard as questionable, but yeah, they're missing a lot of guys. I mean, obviously, Lyle Collins. Hayden Hurst is questionable, but it seems like he's going to play, at least based off of what Zach Taylor is saying. He'll play. He'll play. He is. He almost played last week. But yeah, so both their defensive ends are beat up if they're playing. I mean, DJ Reader has had another hell of a year. He's just good at fucking stopping the run and creating havoc. But the Bills don't play that game, so it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter that much. This game is going to come down to, does Josh Allen play like shit? And when Josh Allen Allen cares, he plays great. It's Monday Night Football. It's prime time against Joe Burrow. It's all lights are on this game. Probably the last game that the Bills attempt to play in the regular season. This will be his dress rehearsal for the playoffs. I think he's going to go nuts. Now, the only thing that I would be a little worried about. No, actually, because they need to, they're still fighting for the first seed. They are fighting for the first seed. Whoever wins this game probably wins the first seed if Kansas City falters. Right. And so, I mean, because they're a game ahead of Cincy with the head-to-head coming up, and then they're tied with Kansas City right now. If the Bengals, well, they would be tied, but they have the tiebreaker. So if the Bengals win, they get the first seed because they have the tiebreaker over Kansas City. Right. If the Bills win, they probably get the first seed because they have the tiebreaker with Kansas City. So, So, yeah, this they're still playing for everything. I was a little worried that, you know, they might be like, okay, we've got it wrapped up. We won the division. Yep. And and because relax, but no, they're still playing because they're looking for the first seed as well. They're not going to be worried about rest because they have next week for that and the bye week for that. So they got plenty of time. They're going to try. Tredavious White's only rounding into form. I really want to see some contested catch opportunities between Tredavious White and T. Higgins. I think that'll be fun. And I think that Tredavious White matches up very favorably in that. Like not, you know, I think T. Higgins obviously has way better ball skills. He's got the best ball skills, but I think Tredavious White is much, much better in that regard than almost any cornerback that T. Higgins will see this year. So I like the Bills, but it is a close game. It is a game with both teams being good and both teams being capable of fucking the other up. It's a game where both teams also have a lot of shit in them where they can just absolutely blow. If Josh Allen comes out here and throws five pickables, which like we've seen him fucking do like this year a few times, the Bengals could absolutely fucking dominate, which is why I think that Baltimore is a better fifth bet and Buffalo should be another bonus bet. I, I can get behind that because I do. I'm more scared of the Bengals having an incredible game because they are known to do that and they have been pretty hot the second half of the season. Uh, you, the Bills you can, have struggled. You can never be but, shocked by Jamar Chase taking a fucking ball house. Exactly. And the the Ravens are just better than the Steelers, man. The Steelers are massively overrated right now, as yeah, they typically so. are. So let's recap. We like Tampa mm-hmm. minus three because it's inevitable and it's Sam Darnold. Come on. Uh, I don't love that, but I like it. We have Washington minus two because Deshaun Watson fucking sucks and Carson Wentz is a good fit for the game plan that the Redskins will have to run against the Browns and the Browns have nothing to play for. And the Browns won't be able to run. The Browns will not be able to run. And Deshaun Watson will get sack fumbled one time on his little rollout high-low monkey in the middle play that he loves to do because the Redskins have really athletic defensive ends. Um, We love best bet Miami plus three and or money line. We're going to do money line because we're ballsy like that because we're a stud. We have balls. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But uh, we think Teddy Bridgewater is an upgrade over Tua. We think that the Patriots will be hindered by the fact that they've been game planning very specifically for Tua by playing those deep linebacker zones in cover three that he just cannot handle. Now Teddy Bridgewater comes in and he can handle them because he can process. And Miami is playing for their playoff lives. Mm -hmm. We also have a best bet on Minnesota plus three and a half. It basically boils
boils down to the market is overcorrecting on Minnesota. And we've already seen that there is a coaching mismatch, a scheme mismatch that favors Minnesota greatly. Both teams still have something to play for and will continue doing so. It's also a rivalry game. I don't think the Vikings are laying down for their hated Packers who are trying to make the playoffs. I'm sure they'd love nothing mm-hmm. more than to be spoiler. Our fifth and final bet for the pod is going to be Baltimore minus two and a half. We basically just think the Steelers stink. We think Baltimore is underrated with Tyler Huntley. We think that there's a chance Lamar plays, which would be perfectly fine. And we love their defense against a limited, at the least, Pittsburgh offense. Finally, yeah. our bonus bets are going to be Minnesota money line because the wrong team's favored in that game. And we just love it so goddamn much. And Buffalo minus one and a half because Josh Allen's better than Joe Burrow. And we've got a cover two scheme that Joe Burrow has struggled with as recently as last time he was on the field. Hey, we don't even have to go with that. It's Buffalo minus one. Fuck yeah. Cut that hook off. We just need him to win. Yeah. Um, Do we want to do any teasers this week? I know we've talked about some legs. So one of our legs is certainly going to be Dallas minus 10. And then wasn't there a minus six that we really love? Uh, I think it was six and a half. It was Eagles over the Saints. Mm, That wasn't the one. Um, The other six is, oh, Giants over Colts. Yep, that's it. So it's going to be Giants and Cowboys, the NFC East teaser. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up then. Yeah, it's a good pod. I think we went a little long, but always fun on Zoom. I hope that my fucking voice comes through properly unlike last time. I believe in us. Does it sound good on your end? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, well, with that, for the second to last time in the regular season, this has been PBFG. Uh, Please bet on football games. Hasta. Hasta.